Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, then we'll go to verse 15 and through 17, and then verse 28, as I preach a message to you when God draws near. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Go now to verse 15 of the same chapter, please. These people are not drunk, as some of you suppose. So it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. Well, for some people, but anyway. Verse 16. Know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Go to verse 28. You have shown me the way of life, and you have filled me with the joy of your presence. Let's all read verse 28 all together. On your marks, whatever version you have, do it loud and proud. You have showed me the way of life, and you've filled me with the joy of your presence. Father, thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. God, we celebrate your goodness, your kindness, your grace towards us. I pray, Holy Spirit, have your way right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I remember many years ago, I was in Manhattan, New York City, Manhattan, New York City, on the Upper East Side, and I was attending this uh, gathering of philanthropists in a group called The Hunger Project. The Hunger Project was a group of people that gathered together uh, across the world, but mostly in America, and the idea was that they were going to stomp out hunger. And they, you remember that? Ethiopia and all the hunger. I mean, there's still a hunger problem. How many know they didn't stomp out hunger? But they raised lots of money, and uh, I was invited to one of these events, and I was a young man. I think I was 19, 18 years old. And so I went to the event. It was extremely boring. And um, I got up and feigned going to the facilities because I didn't want to sit and listen to the extremely boring whatever was going on in there. And it was in one of these brownstone buildings from the 1800s, a, a five-story brownstone. Some of you might know what that means. Beautiful. It was a personal home. Uh, 
that had been converted into a meeting place and it was kind of a museum type of a thing. So we're meeting downstairs in this meeting hall and I, I walked out and I saw a set of stairs going up to the second floor and it had one of those cute little, you know, little barricades with the uh, velour on it. You know what I'm talking about, one of those pretty little movie separating things. I don't know what you call them. So, you know, don't go up the stairs, which of course to me was an invitation <laughs> to go up the stairs. So I looked around, I went under, and I went up the stairs. Shock, shock. And I tiptoed up there, and I started looking around, and there was this magnetic draw to this room where this warm light was coming out. And I mean, it, the place was, you know, all this incredible paneling and woodwork and just amazing building. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, all the all the um, uh, carvings, everything, ah, oh, it's amazing. So I felt drawn to this room and I walked into the room and it was a chapel. And there was one candle burning in the chapel. When I walked into the room, it's like I walked into a cloud. And it arrested me. I thought, whoa, what's going on? And this warm power came on me, tingling up and down my spine. It was different. I had, I'd had fear come on me in a similar sort of a way, but this was like a, a cloud of love I walked into, and I know now that it was the Holy Spirit. And as I, I was there, I was so moved that I'm like, wow, what's going on? I, I knew it was God. I wasn't a believer. I, I, didn't, I wasn't born again. I believed in God, but I wasn't born again. I went down and got my friend. When it was so moved that I went down and said, dude, you need to come with me right now. What are you doing? We're in this thing. Yeah, I said, I know, but don't come with me. I'm like, okay. We walked out. We both sneaked upstairs, and we walked into this cloud. And we sat there, and he's like, whoa, what is that? I said, I think it's God. Wow, the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. When God draws near, something happens. The greatest invitation you'll ever hear in all of Scripture comes from the book of James, where he says, if you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. I want to draw near to God tonight. How about you? Would you, would you just tell him, oh, God, I, I want more of your presence. Tell him. I want more of your presence. God, come. I'm drawing near to you. I want you, Lord. I want to experience you, your power, your word, your truth. Amen. My testimony, which I won't go into fully, but I will say it wasn't the understanding. Well, I don't think I really understood it, but I'll just say it that way. It wasn't hell that motivated me to give my life to Christ. That wasn't it. That motivates some people, and it is a motivator, and it's real. And I know more now. Listen, if you don't have a revelation of hell, you won't have a revelation of what real salvation is. You missed a great place to say, oh me, or oh my, or something. No, what got me was he, I kept experiencing his presence over and over 
and over. No matter what I did, when I would walk into a church, his presence would come on me. I would walk into a place and I would feel his, his, the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I began to weep every time. I couldn't go to church because I'd cry. I'd could, amen, see? I think that might have been a little bit different over there, but I'd weep in, his, in the presence of the Lord. And when I finally did start going, I cried and I stayed. I cried for a whole year straight, every service. It was embarrassing. I mean, weeping and crying, I have to like get a tissue box because I was being healed. I had found the love. I'd found the joy. I'd found the hope that I'd looked for all of my life. And, and I was overwhelmed by his presence. And I began to get discipled and grow in the things of God. You know, God draws near in his sovereignty. He'll just come and touch people because he loves you. But he also draws near to us in responses. And when God draws near, many times it's for blessing. But if you don't receive that right, it can be also for judgment. And before you look at me down your nose and say, what are you talking about? In the gospel is both the blessing of God and the judgment of God. And you can look in Luke 9 and Luke 10 at different places where they would go two by two and they'd go into the, they'd go to the village where Jesus before his face, where he was about to go. And he says, when you go to a house, let your peace rest on the house. If there's a man of peace there, let your peace or heal the sick, set the captives free. They can tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. But if they don't receive your message, come on, someone say, if they don't receive. If they don't receive, then, sh then turn, shake the dust off your sandals. And I'm paraphrasing, for it'd be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, in the gospel, in the declaration that Jesus was crucified, Jesus rose again, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you shall be saved, is great blessing. The blessing of God, restoration, healing of your, healing of your disease, the forgiveness of your sin, thrown as far as the east is from the west. All of that is found in receiving Jesus by believing on him. And if you haven't done that, woo, you're in the right place because we're going to remedy that by the end of tonight, those online as well. But if you reject him, if you reject him, then there comes the spankings. Raise your hand if you've ever been through some of that. No, thank you. I've had enough. We can draw near to God through specific actions. And this is just an introduction. Let's, let's look at the text. Man's response to God's presence. When you look at what we read here, you see God's power being poured out and, and everyone reacts differently. Oh, there's some similarities or commonality, but when the power of God comes, different people do different things. Have you ever noticed that? Now, you say, well, I don't know about all that. Okay, you just be careful. Be careful about what you wanna put your stamp on, oh, fourth part of the Trinity. And to think that you would then be the discerner of all righteousness and truth about what's happening in the Spirit. I would highly advise, don't do that. Why? Because you'll end up in trouble. And in 1995, in January, when Rodney Howard Brown came through, and he'll be coming in our, in our new building when the time is right, when he came through and the power of God was poured out upon our church, 
I saw such incredible things, it boggled my mind. And I've told you about those before, but just to share a few. I saw a man probably in his 50s, and uh, mom, you might remember this. We have a set of stairs in Maui, and Maui, King's Cathedral Maui is where this church has been birthed from, along with 500 other extensions around the world. It's where the, the, the Perkins family is from, and we love you guys. It's still Surrey. She's Dr. Morocco's secretary. I probably shouldn't tell it said that. Anyway, don't, you can't try to get anything over on Paulette. You'll experience the power of God, all right? How do you know? Oh, I know. So this man, this man got touched by God. You know, like if we just had a prayer time and we prayed for people. You saw some people shake, you maybe. You saw some people uh, lying down, maybe, or, or, or falling down. Some people were on their knees. In this case, this man, like a window shade, was going up the stairs and down the stairs. And he did it for my estimation, although I was having my own experience with God. Solid 40 minutes. Listen, Everybody talks about core strength now. Okay, they didn't talk about core strength then. I don't care what kind of core strength you have. Buddy, you try rolling up that thing like a perfect window shade. Duh, 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 45 minutes. And it didn't even look like he was doing it. I couldn't, he said, why would God do that? Why would God, was there like an angel just rolling him up the stairs? We saw some other lady she was clearly directing a choir. Oh, yeah, Minister Becky, she was. There she was on her back. And it's just... I, I don't know if she was like in... No, listen. This is, this is what happened. This, these are things that happen sometimes in God's free. So I don't want to be any part of that. Well, that, that's, that's, that might not be the healthiest response. And I want to talk about that. Because we're not a church, listen, to, I, there is a great pressure on pastors to behave themselves. You know what I mean by that? There's great pressure on pastors and leaders just to teach. Teaching was big in the 70s, 80s, Calvary Chapel, different ones, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. Are you against teaching, pastor? No, I'm not against teaching. You got to have the word. And you need to learn to rightly divide the word. But if that's all you have is the word, then you're going to dry up, sweetheart. You will dry up. But then there's those that blow up, which is the spirit without the grounding and the truth of God's word, without really understanding the principles of scripture. And, and then they, they, they're just like, then everything's, woo, yow, everything's God. They run everywhere. Their character's jacked up. They don't pay their bills. And there has been a, uh, a stigma put upon Pentecostal churches because, oh, they're the crazy church. <laughs> Welcome to Kings. Crazy? You call it crazy, but you see it in Scripture. Let me say that if you don't see it in Scripture, then you shouldn't see it here. But if you do see it in Scripture, you should see it here. And I'll tell you what's crazy. What's crazy is a church that has no outpouring, no release of power, no victory, no freedom, no deliverance, no salvation, dead, twice pulled up from the roots. Christian, that, that's what's weird. That's weird. Everybody just, I mean, if somebody opens... Somebody opens the halls for God's sake. Or a Jolly Rancher. Those are even worse. 
and you just hear the crinkling of the paper. It's just kind of, everybody looks at you like, so dead, the dead are scared. You know, your husband's going viral. They, they, had, they had puppies at their house, uh, some pit bull puppies, and I guess the first one died. So Minister Toby, where are you at? Minister Toby gave CPR to a, a, an hour old or less puppy and, and uh, massaging it and breathing into it, giving it a CPR, and the, and the puppy came back to life. And they called the puppy Rez for resurrection. There ought to be in our lives, in our churches, there ought to be an, a, a, uh, an element of the unexplainable. I, there's certain aspects of my life, and Pastor Karen especially, that we just can't explain. I don't know how I was in the right place. I don't know how that car messed I don't know. I don't know how the provision came. I'm not sure how the, I got rid of the stupid that was up on me. Come on, some of you, some of you got some things up on you. You can get rid of it tonight. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven. It's 8:13. There's nothing on Netflix. I experienced God's power. It was different for me than maybe for other people. And tonight, God's going to touch you. You came here hungry. That's why it's packed. That's why nearly every seat is taken. And it's hot. You know it's hot. We have fans tonight, not simulating the move of the Spirit. Oh, and I'm convinced that there are those who try to do that. They have lights and smoke. I'm, I don't mind lights and smoke. When, when there's the real smoke, the, the, the real cloud. When the real cloud, then it's okay. But if you try to simulate the Spirit of God without, the, without genuine anointing, without genuine presence, man, that's dangerous. So I've learned, and I want you to learn, that don't, don't ever put your mouth on something you don't understand. You say, well, what about the flesh? Oh, the flesh is real. Come on, somebody say, you know that's right. You so say, what happens if the flesh gets involved in our service? The flesh is involved in the service. Don't look at me like that. You have flesh? Look at you. You have flesh? You have a fallen human nature? And there are times when people, because they're unhealed, well, they'll get prayer and they, they want to make a scene so they get attention. Does that happen? Well, of course. However, there's also the genuine move of the Spirit of God where people get set free. And if you've ever seen someone get their blind eyes open, they lose their ever-loving mind. They run around. They, 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 you know, they all respond differently, as I'm saying. So what, we can't have any of the flesh. Too late. You're here. Which one is which? I'm not sure all the time. Sometimes, I'm, sometimes I feel like I have discernment, but my discernment's been wrong so often. <laughs> I just leave it all with God. You see, here at King's, let me just tell you, this is a philosophy of ministry here. 
And this is a Holy Ghost service, so you have notes, but I have no promise or commitment to you to finish any of the notes and give you any of the blanks. Why? Because. Because I just don't want to. And that's not the kind of service this is. We might get to it. Everyone reacts differently. There you go. Okay, we got a point in. Because what you need to have done, man can't do for you. Now, preaching and teaching under an anointing is powerful, and his word goes forth and it doesn't return void. But one touch from God, I dare to say, ah, that'd be exaggerating. I can't say that. I have had encounters at God with, with God with people laying hands on me that were every bit as powerful, and maybe even more so. I can't judge it than learning God. You can't, you can't separate the learning of God's word and the renewing of your mind that comes from the word. You can't separate that. But you can also remove the outpouring of the release of God's power, the tongues of fire, the wind of the spirit. You can't. And in a culture where it's made fun of, we're called the crazy church. You know that. Do you know that? If you don't know that, now you know. It's hard to know unless you know. What church you go to? Crazy one. Everyone reacts differently. <laughs> Lift your hands to heaven. Oh. In the text, you see fire. You see wind. You see acts of power. Acts of power. I was in one meeting when a group of friends got so touched by God they could not talk for over 24 hours. Now, it's one thing if somebody who doesn't talk much doesn't talk. It's another thing when Brother Verbose, who can't shut his mouth, doesn't talk for 24 hours. Anybody, brother and sister Verbose, has anybody ever met them? The Portuguese in Hawaii have a special touch to be able to communicate a lot. Yeah, and they use their hands, too. So if you tie their hands down, they can't talk. Okay, how many of you know the difference between a Portuguese and a Portuguese? Portuguese tithe, Portuguese don't. All right, I'm just saying. Pastor Karen told me that joke years ago. There's displays and acts of power. You see it through scripture. You see Old Testament, you see New Testament. The only miracle that you don't see in the Old Testament that you see in the New, there's only one, you know what it is? It's tongues. Tongues is the only manifestation that you don't see in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the dead were raised. In the Old Testament, food is multiplied. In the, dead, in the Old Testament, on and on and on. Think about every miracle of the New Testament. It's all in the Old except one. And that's the manifestation the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. Write in your notes, shaking, falling, stuck to the floor. What? I like telling this testimony from Brownsville. A conservative pastor, bless his heart, took a van load of board members to Brownsville in the same years, 1995, 96, 97, 98, right in then. Same time our church got greatly impacted. Brownsville was taking place. And uh, Minister Barry, you went, you went there, you drove there, you took a group there or something, yeah, and, and you were marked. It changed you. 
And um, I used to watch, I begged my wife. We were just kind of creeped out by the internet. We like, maybe that's the mark of the beast. Jesus help us. Anybody remember Juno, the Juno account? Anyway, I was able to get a Juno account. It would take me like an hour and a half to download John Kilpatrick preaching and uh, Steve Hill, the evangelist. To, and I would watch on, you know, the grainiest, nastiest. I mean, today you would be like, that's not even worth watching. Oh, well, it was worth watching for me. I remember watching baptisms. I remember seeing crazy power put on display, unexplainable demonstrations of God's power. And this one event took place that I read it in a book from Brownsville. Maybe it was Steve Hill. I've forgotten now. It's been years. Pastor takes a church van, loads up all the board members, drives hours to Brownsville, gets out, goes, and the power of God hits the place, and a lot of people shook. There was a lot of shaking, a lot of shaking going on. See, that's not scriptural. Oh, yes, it is. In the last days, he's going to shake what can be shaking. Come on, baby. <laughs> so that what remains is of him. Some of you need to be shaken and stirred, maybe. So he said, I, I don't know about that, that, that falling out. There's a scripture for that, Psalm 23. For all your religious people, this is going to hurt, so just brace yourself. He makes me lie down and still, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There you go. There's a scripture for lying out in the Holy Ghost. In this case, they were touched, but they weren't sure what their pastor was doing. And it's interesting, it didn't seem that much happened with the board because everybody's, star it's everybody's staring at the pastor to make sure, see what he's like. You know? And everybody's got their, you know, their religious handfold thing. And um, it's kind of like when I've come off the rails, people look at Pastor Karen to see if he's going to reel me in. You know, it's kind of like that. But in this case, things are off the rails in the spirit. And pastor's just got his hands folded. So everybody's like, well, you know, we're gonna, not going to yield to that. It's obviously not safe. They get back to the van. They get in the van, and they're going to go back to Georgia or wherever they were going. And they say, pastor, before they're still in the parking lot, pastor, what do you think about that? He's got his hands on the steering wheel of that Dodge van. And he says, yeah, I don't like that shaking, all that shaking. Ooh, ooh, I can shake. You want to see me shake? And all of a sudden, his eyes go to very dilated. He opens the door, falls out of the van. He's on the concrete, and he starts pleading for God's forgiveness. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, God, I'm sorry. And he shook, I think, for the next 24 hours. He shook. Somebody else had to drive. You be careful about what you say is God and what isn't. God will bring you into these encounters and everybody responds differently. I've, I've been stuck to the floor. What does that mean? You get touched by God and you can't get up. What do you mean? I mean, like, I tried. It's like, ah, oh, and it's just like, why would you fight it? He's touching you. Just, why would you pry yourself off of an operation table when you're mid-surgery, you're all opened up. God's touching, he's healing you. Why would you get up? I've seen, I've seen people on the floor getting touched by God, stuck on the floor, and then finally it's like the ushers want to move them. So they go to move them, and the ushers go down. And they try to move the ushers, and whoever, then they have to get the auxiliary usher team. And, and then they go down, and finally it's like, we better just leave that alone. Why are you saying this? 
Because God wants to manifest himself in your home, in your marriage. I'm telling you, resurrection power is real. He can heal the sick and set the captives free. He can raise the dead. At tax time, he can pull a coin out of the fish's mouth. He can do it. Whatever you have need of, he's able to do it. He's able to help you. He's able to heal you. He's able to provide. Come on. He can still raise the dead. Lazarus, come forth. He can still do it. But so often our minds are just cemented into this secular, humanistic, scientific model and you're not willing to see it so you shut down the anointing like that pastor. Hallelujah. All right, look at your notes. Leadership in the Spirit. I've learned, listen, everything I know in ministry, I've learned from Dr. Morocco basically in the Holy Ghost. So he taught me this and I've stuck with it and it's worked these many years. When the Holy Spirit comes and he's here, he's clearly here. You can send, you start talking about him and he, and he comes. So he's here and he's beginning to touch people across, across the congregation. As a pastor and as a leader, if it bothers you, then stop it. But if it doesn't bother you, go ahead and let it roll. So if somebody starts laughing right now and they get the joy of the Lord, if it bothered me, I might stop it. How do we know which one it is? You just better be getting touched by God because if it's not, I just might stop it. But so oftentimes when God is trying to pour out his spirit, pastors and leaders can be uncomfortable and I, I, I'm, 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 I've been guilty of it was in Grass Valley years ago at a, an Assembly of God church. There was maybe 50, 60 people there, and, a con, and, a, and a, the, the building held 2,000. The church had dried up, 50 to 60 people. I'm preaching, and the power of God falls so strong. Honestly, was, I think it was the worst message I ever preached. I preached for an hour and a half. I broke all the rules of how long you're supposed to preach and all that. Those are like white rules. Oh, did that hurt? I'll go over here. You know, you know, I'm just saying that Caucasians are like the only people that don't think they have a culture. What you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, Caucasians have a culture too. Time. Time is a Caucasian thing. Not, not, a, not just a Caucasian. Don't, don't hear me wrong. Don't get offended. If you haven't been offended yet, you're going to be by the end of the service. Welcome to Kings. We're so glad you're here. It's a test. <laughs> Many cultures, it's just kind of like the general time of when you show up. And, when, and for services, it's, I mean, Brother Toby, right? He had four, three, four-hour services. Go have lunch, come back, and have another three or four-hour service. I mean, like, well, we don't want to steal people's time. And I think that that's also valuable Come on, lift your hands to Jesus while I figure out what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, you're awesome. So I go along, nobody seems to care, and they have these huge chandeliers 
that starts spinning independently as God is my witness is what happened. It's called on video. They start swinging, not, not all of them at the same time. They all start swinging independently throughout the whole room. And I thought, what is going on? And I said, does anybody else see this? And they're like, Jesus! You know, I mean, like the power of God. And the pastor, I feel led to prophesy over the pastor, so I call him up and, uh, and his wife, which is Wanda Pritzing, which is Pastor Kelly's mother, Pastor Kelly Reynolds. It was her mother. She's gone on to be with the Lord. They come to the front, and I'm prophesying, and I'm playing over them, and all of a sudden, I hear the most God-awful organ sounds I've ever heard in my life. Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, many times sound things can affect me. I, it's been a trade-off for the fans right now. The fan, that, you hear that? Those are fans. And it's so we all don't die of heat. Exhaustion. It's cooling it off just a little bit. Air conditioning in a new building. Come on, somebody say it. I lay hands on them. The power of God is touching. They're shaking. I'm prophesying. And I hear this organ in the background. That, and it wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, it wasn't like our kind of organ. You know what I mean? It was, it was something else. Plunky and just like kind of difficult. And, and so, like, it so bothered me and interrupted me. I stopped, turned around, looked at the organist and said, stop, stop, stop. Which, if you've been with me for any length of time, I have done before. Please stop. And they're like, she's like. I turn back and the increase of God's power and presence on the pastor and his wife that I'm praying for is like at least 25 to 50% more. They're weeping. And I realized they're getting touched by God. I said, is that ministering to you? Like, yes! I'm like, bring it! Let's go! Come on! So she starts playing, and these guys are shaking like a leaf. I found out later it was a song. They had had a revival. They had had an awakening. It was a song from the awakening. All those, I'm talking 30 years prior. The power of God hit this I'll never forget the guy was six foot five or so in the green room afterwards. He had his hands up nearly touching the ceiling tiles. And this is what he did. I was like, amen. It can look a little unusual. Leadership in the spirit. There's joy, there's laughter, there's conviction, there's crying. They spoke in other tongues. Listen to me, listen closely to me. Leadership can usher in the Spirit of God. And fathers and mothers, I'm talking to you in your home. I'm not just talking about the church house. I'm talking about your house. Leadership can usher in a move of the Spirit in your house or shut it down. And if you're watching all kinds of perversion, listen, holiness matters. Prayer matters. Giving matters. The way that you live matters. And leadership can either usher in the Spirit of God or shut it down. And we see that in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel where Saul, he never brought the ark. He's king. Saul is king for 20 plus years and never brought the ark of God out of Abinadab's house. Abinadab? Left it there for 20 years. It had been captured by the Philistines because they used the God box of, they used the ark 
like a lucky rabbit foot. Now they weren't right with God. They, they, weren't, they weren't in covenant with God. They had broken covenant, but they're like, let's just take that powerful ark and bring it into the war and we will win. Uh, and there's this big shout, like the shout of the king, except the king wasn't with them. I've been in, we were in church. We were in a church where there was a shout of the king, but there was no king. And there was manifestations of power, but it wasn't the power of God. We were so freaked out that we got up. I've told you about that. It's the creepiest thing that's ever happened to me uh, in my life. I'm going to call it that. I saw devils manifesting. I saw demons on the people on the stage and the person leading the service. We got so freaked out. We took up a whole row. You were there with your kids. I was there with my kids. Power God just came upon me when I realized I saw a devil manifest. I shot out of my seat and made a serious scene. It would be like you shooting out of your seat right now, about three quarters of the way, half of the way back, shooting out of your seat. Oh God. And I turned to everybody, let's go. We're leaving. And I mean, people are coming, cameras, you know, get the cameras off the crazy white guy. And then I left. I left and I realized I left without my wife. I was like, it was life or death. Get out of the building. Get out of this Ichabod fake manifestation. Get out. Leave. Leave. We felt so defiled. Our kids were sick. We prayed it wouldn't even break off until we went back and had communion. And then it broke. And great peace. And I felt like, oh my gosh, we're in the last days, man. Because that was crazy. Some of the kids didn't want to be there, begged to basically leave, but they were submitted to our authority. I went back and got my wife and got my family, Minister Barry and I, we left. So what church is that? I'm telling you. I don't understand that. Leadership can usher in the presence or you can usher in something else. Saul, y'all all right? So Saul for 20 years doesn't bring the ark in. Why not? Because it didn't mean that much to him, but when David. But when King David became king, the first thing he does is go get the ark. Buddy, didn't quite do it right. Cousin Uzzah got, his, got filleted and fried. Eventually, the ark was brought to Jerusalem, and the tabernacle of David was erected, this veilless worship. Leadership in your home. Listen, sir, ma'am. You say, I'm a single mother. Okay, you're the leader of your house. You're married, you're not married, you're single. You don't have kids. I don't know, whatever, you know, there's cross-section of our community here and, and online and, and potentially around the world. You are the ones that to usher in God's presence. You make a choice to get up to pray, to lift your hands. You, you make a choice to invite him in. Spend time with your kids or your spouse. When it's time to go to sleep, invite God's presence to come in to release dreams to you. Some of you are so polluted. Smile at me. And you wonder why I can't feel God's presence. It's because you feel the presence of everything else. Let's move on. They spoke in other tongues. What prevents this from happening? What prevents... What prevents churches from flowing in God's power? A number of things. Let me give them to you quickly because it's just getting hotter in here. The influence, our mindset, all right? The influence of Greek culture. Greeks, the influence of Greek culture, knowledge, 
There's nothing wrong with knowledge, but a carnal mind is at enmity with God, the scripture says. So you should study to show yourself approved, as I said, but then there's a scientific model and we've been baptized into this intellectual pride of the mind. And as a result, there's no framework for a release of God's power. You know what I've found with Native Alaskans? Very easy for them to see in the spirit. It's almost like it comes, and that could be because of a lot of things. Maybe, maybe shamanism had to, had to deal with the Spirit and all of that, but then when they get converted and they get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like many of them become seers. I've seen over and over and over people resist. Really smart people sometimes have a problem. <laughs> That's why the Spirit moves here so strong. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Lift your hands to Jesus. Come on. <laughs> Eastern mysticism, meditation and introspection. You know, just, you ever heard that? Just steal your mind, just blank your mind. No, don't blank your mind. Don't blank your mind. Don't practice Eastern mysticism with Christianity. It's a very bad combo. Open your heart. (laughs) Open your heart to a move of the Spirit of God. Renew your mind. You don't empty and blank your mind. You ask him to fill you. Oh, praise the Lord. You must have a Hebrew mindset. And the Hebrew mindset is this. They knew that God could break in at any moment in time. And in the Hebrew mindset, time is not circular. It's linear. There's a beginning. There's an end. And God has broken in in history at, any, at various moments, and he can break in right now. What are you doing? I don't know. It's building expectancy. Literally, he could come, and that tumor can dissolve now. You jump on the keys for me. I know you're on vacation, but can you step out for just a second? Sorry. Play something you don't know. I, I, I don't want to be like that. I can't tell you the pressure. I've got friends that would coach me to say, you got to stop wearing a tie. Don't wear suits because that's really not in. And, and then just, you're a, you know, you're, you're a little intense. It's just you scare people sometimes. You know, your, your blue eyes pop out of your heart. It's like lasers shooting. Just, just. You know, if you stuck your finger in 223 phase, I'm pretty sure, pretty, pretty certain. Do we have any electricians? Oh, we do. If you stuck your finger in an electrical socket, will you get electrocuted? What does that look like? Has anybody ever been, you ever got zapped? Anybody? How fast do you jerk your hand back? 
I don't know, it's involuntary. That's if it doesn't grab you. And I mean, I don't understand all that voltage stuff. I just know, I don't ever wanna be electrocuted again. My brother years ago, I, I think he thought it was funny. Chris, he's not here tonight, so I'm gonna pick on him. I, I, I think he cut the wire in my, in my, uh, on my lamp by my bedside. I'm, and we weren't, we're teenagers. So when I went to turn my lamp on, there's no power. So then I, I look at the outlet, you know, behind the bed, look at the outlet and I can see, huh. So I reach and I grab the wire to find what, what's going on with it. And I ended up with the end. Ah! Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you get touched by God, some stuff happens. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want anything. I don't want to look weird. You already look weird. So I don't want anybody to think, they already think weird things about you. I don't want anybody not to like me. There's only two or three people statistically, people that like you. That's not true, but it sounds funny. I want to move on the Spirit of God. Want you to come, want you to come, want you to come. We need a move, Lord. We need a move of your spirit. We need a quickening, we need an awakening. We need fire, fire, fire. We need you, we need you. This is not in your notes. I need you, I need you, I need you. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my church. Forgive us for where we've leaned on intellectual understanding and tried to break off demon power with the, with the mind, with reason. Forgive us for where we've not leaned on, relied on, trusted in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're the same yesterday, today, forever. Need you. Ooh. I need you in the morning. I need you in the noon time. I need you this evening. Oh God. Like the morning needs the sun, I need you. Like the ocean needs the streams, I need you. Like the desert needs the rain, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. It was not great teaching that transformed my life, although it had a role. And it wasn't a Four shot as much as I like it and I'll have another one tomorrow. Or four shot Americano with sugar-free vanilla and a splash of heavy cream. It was not that that kept me in the church. God touched me and did something in me that nothing, all of the counselors and all of the wisdom of all of the different things that I'd been through couldn't touch me like that. Oh God, oh God. And then that moment, he like began to rewire my mind. He began to change my heart. He took out the heart of stone and he put in a heart of flesh. We don't need more great teaching. Well, we do, we do, we, we do. We do need more great teaching. Oh, but we need the cloud. We need the rain. We need you. We need the fire. The demonstration. I've not come, says the Apostle Paul with the eloquence 
of speech, but with the demonstration of the Spirit of God. The problem of being right in your notes, a spectator generation. People, do you know that children's church is upstairs? Do you know that we have to counsel people that cannot be intimate with their spouses unless they have a phone? Oh yes, I said it. That's right. And maybe it's you. You listen. You need, if that pictophilia, pick pixels, is an addiction to screens, it's an actual diagnosis. Just go look at your look at your. If you have an iPhone, I don't know what Androids have. Maybe something comparative comparable, similar. You can go look at the amount of time you spent on your screen. These are dangerous. My entire office is in this right here. And then, and, and personal life too. Contacts and, and so many people stare at these things for so long. I've, I've, I've taught this to you before. You know who this beautiful woman is right here? It's my bride. She's been on there as my screensaver and my lock screen for a long time. And before that, it was some other picture of her. There might have been a Dodge with a Hemi private prior to that, but I... Oh, you're far more powerful than a Dodge with a Hemi. I need you, Lord. If you'll learn to fix your gaze and lift your eyes and call on the Lord and push yourself away from the things of time and tradition, if you will set yourself apart and begin to hunger and thirst, if you'll draw near to God, He will draw near to you. There is no substitute for the power of God, no substitute for the anointing. There is no substitute for signs and wonders and miracles. And the Bible's filled with them. But the church of today is not so much filled with them. Occasionally, a few miracles here, a few miracles there. On Sunday night, I preached on having an anticipation. Where is your anticipation level with God right now? You see, the thing is, if you hear the word and be in messages like this continually, but you don't allow for the change to, to permeate your heart, you don't allow for yourself to shift, you stay stubborn and you hold on to the same bondages you had when you first walked in here. Soon what happens is that honeymoon period ends and the grace of God seems to lift off of you a little bit. And then you start to say, well, if it was really God, those guys just be like, that's just a crazy church. Cause like, you know, that, that's not happened for me. Oh, who's made you Who's made you the, 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 the inspector of all that's manifested in glory? Oh, because it didn't happen to you because you don't pray in tongues and there's no tongues? Maybe if you got rid of your pornography problem, you might be filled with the Spirit. Hey! <laughs> oh! Oh, you're offended now. I want to offend everything in you that God wants to offend. I don't want to offend anything in you in, in, in my flesh. Sometimes I do, but I try to stay away from that. <laughs> Leadership and the issue of, oh, I'm sorry. Raised on television, raised on, raised on phones. Religion is observation. Relationship is intimacy. You should add that. It's not in your notes. Religion is observation. Relationship 
I mean, how would it be in your relationship with your spouse if all you did is just observe? Population would go backwards. Relationship is not, it's not just observing. We've become so self-centered. My time is slipping away, not that it matters, but I wanna be sensitive to our children's workers back there. And by the way, if any of you are able to help us with children's, if you have children, let me say this, if you have children in the children's area, I'm asking for your help because we're about to quadruple in size. We need more workers. We're gonna move into this building and we will explode. They're coming from everywhere. There's people online, people driving, people moving. We're going to triple the size of our children's ministry and it's already 200. And many of those children's workers back there, and I want you to please thank them. Would you thank them? You should probably do more than thank them. They're back there all the time. Now we have a policy that you actually have to catch a one, amen. We have a policy that you have to capture. You want to stay away from that one key. All right. You have a policy. You have to catch one service. If you're serving, wonderful. You have to catch one where you're sitting here. We get to preach and talk to you. So we need you to sign up for that if the Spirit leads you and you would pass an FBI background check. If you're not going to pass a background check, then you just pray for more laborers because it disqualifies you. You're not disqualified from the kingdom, but we have certain rules and standards that we just, we don't, we don't deviate from that. And that is why we've never had a problem. Thank you, Jesus. Leadership and the issue of confusion. I think I said it already. If it bothers you as a, as a, as a leader, as a pastor, as a father, as a mother, if it bothers you, then stop it. There's nothing here that's bothering me right now except for the heat and maybe the length of the message a little bit. Other than that, it feels good in here. Somebody got up and started, you know, cock-a-doodle-doing and, and pecking at the ground like a chicken. We will minister to you. Don't manifest a chicken here. We have a special team, a chicken team. Spirit of the prophet, subject to the prophet. I'm going to move through this quickly. Leader's job is to lead the service, control the service, but really, I don't want to say it that way. I'm changing it. It says control, I think, on the notes, but leads better. I don't like control. Um, facilitate. Thank you, Pastor Karen. Facilitate's a better word. Because we're, I'm, we're hosting. We're hosting his presence. It's a popular term now. It's a book that's written by different ones, you know, hosting the presence of God. You should host him in your car. You should host him at work. You should host him in your living room. You should make your kitchen a cathedral. You should host the presence of God. So as a, as a pastor, as a leader over a service, it's my job to allow him to be, to show up and do what he wants to. I've had times where I've worked for 15 hours, 20 hours on a message and you get there and the Lord's like, yeah, good job. You're not preaching. I'm like, what? Don't you understand my time? I've prepared for 15 hours. And I will just tell you that many ignore that. 
and just be like, no, they just go right into their 15 hour mess that, you know, they prepared. They're gonna do their 30 minute thing and they have no power, no demonstration. Might be some good teaching, might some, be some good education, which is wonderful, but there's not a demonstration of the Spirit of God. The goal of the service is edification of the church and God's glory to be seen. Gotta move with the cloud. That's what Rodney would always say. Move with the cloud. Move with the cloud. He kept saying that to Dr. Morocco in 1995. Move with the cloud. Move with the cloud. Come on, say that. Move with the cloud. It's like the Holy Spirit landing on your, on your, uh, like a bird being, he's not, the, he's not a dove, he's pictured, typified as a dove, as a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit. But if you imagine a dove landing on your shoulder and you don't want to, you don't want him to fly away. There's no quick movements. You know, it, there's, a, there's a sense that you're, you're, he's with you, but you, you don't want to just do something crazy and have him fly away. And sometimes he runs. Sometimes he walks. Move with the cloud. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Why are you teaching and preaching this? Because... I had a move of the Spirit not long ago, and somebody says to me, wow, we haven't had a service like that. I've never been in the service like that. I was like, what? You've what? I've never been in the service like that. I said, oh, wow, praise God. I walked away going, I backslid. I backslid. I, I was like, they've been in the church for, you know, a while, and then they never had a service like that? Look, what, what happened? Look, what happened to me? You know what can happen to pastors? What can happen to pastors is the pressure of different things and constantly meeting and constantly making decisions and, and doing all that. And you can get out of the flow of the, of the river. You can get out of the, oh, you can get away from the cloud. You start making your own cloud and it doesn't smell very good. So why are you preaching this? because we will ever remain a Holy Ghost church and we will never back off, never apologize. We won't quit, we won't shut up, we will pray, we will contend. We will preach, pray, prophesy, and sing about His glory and see it manifested in our own lives because that is the biblical model for church. Everything else is a bunch of hogwash, twice dead, Proverbs 21, verse 16, wander out of the way of understanding and rest in the congregation of the dead. Go look it up. You can wander away. The, the New Testament church was not built on cute teaching and LED screens and smoke and lights. That's not what it's built on. It's built on the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. That, now, we're gonna have an LED screen. We're gonna have lights. We're gonna have all that. You say, lights are not of God. Well, then neither is stained glass. Oh. They had, look at me, they had, they had stained glass in these amazing facilities. You know why? So at a certain time of the year, at a certain moment of the service, light would come in and it would create an environment of God's presence and power. So don't, don't tell me that light, listen, you, you don't like light, you'll hate heaven. Jasper, Sardius, Emerald, Sea of Glass. He is light. 
You can, I think you can lose your mind and try to fabricate the presence of God, but you don't have any with lights. I think that's weird. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. I need you. We need you in America. We need your power, your manifested power. Teaching, yes. Leadership, yes. Holiness, absolutely. We need you. We need your power. We need your presence. Worship team, would you come? Most of all, I don't want to offend you. It's not my desire to offend you. More than all of that, as much as I love you, I don't want to offend the Holy Ghost. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 19, don't quench the Spirit. Ephesians 4, 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You want to see people healed. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. God bless our worship leaders. You want to hear what I said? I said, I want something fresh, new, fire, Holy Ghost. I want, I want it like that. I want something new and fresh. And, and So go get it. Amen. <laughs> Holy Spirit, increase your activity here tonight. No mid-tempo sort of up-tempo Holy Ghost. I want to see people healed. We don't want to become dead and simply religious. Proverbs 21, 16, I quoted it already. You say, is that possible? It's not only possible, it is what has happened to most of the church across America. You go in, you don't feel much presence, and there's hardly any conviction. Messages aren't preached on hell and heaven very frequently. They don't talk about same-sex marriage or abortion. I had friends, the board told them, do not talk about abortion. I'm so glad that I don't have a board trying to ram down my throat what I can preach. I have an anointed pastor, my pastor, Dr. James Morocco, our senior global pastor that wants me to preach the entire council of the Word of God. And I've, I've matured. I've matured a bit. I'm still growing up. I used to be very raw and offensive in a way that the Lord didn't want me. I don't want to ever do that. I don't want to do that. However, I'm going to offend sin every day of the week as many times as he tells me. I will preach against same. You, you can take the 501c3. You can, we, I'm going to preach on, I'm going to preach on sin. Same-sex marriage is not of God. I pray the overthrowing of Roe versus Wade. I pray, oh God, you'd help us in Alaska with a constitutional convention. God, that you'd help us. Lord, we need leadership like Mayor Edna and others that will lead with righteousness and truth and power and authority. Holy Spirit, come upon Mayor Edna. Lord, touch her now. Touch her now. Touch Noel. Holy Ghost, woo! Touch her now. You raised her up like a Deborah. And the Lord says, I raised you up like a Deborah. Village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose. And there's many others that are behind you, but you blazed a trail. You're paved away. And God's going to bring and raise up others as well. And we say thank you.
9 o'clock. Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians. Paul writes them. Who's bewitched you? He, he, he says to the Galatians, he says, you started in the Spirit, and what in God's name happened? They started, they started talking about the circumcision as the people started coercing them out of the simplicity of Christ and the power of the Spirit of God, and they started drifting away. The, the, the church in America has drifted away from the simplicity of, of Christ and the truth of the Word and the resurrection power. God can raise a puppy from the dead so that he can touch and heal the likes of you. We want to be a place where God can be glorified. Come on, someone say amen. I'm almost done. I'm winding. The wheels are down. We're coming in on approach. We want to make a place. We want to make this church a place where the God's glory, where God's power comes. So I don't know that I'm into that. There's some other, there's some other churches. You might want to find that one. This is us. This is who we are. Unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. We're not going to allow fruit loop, nut job craziness in the name of, of the gospel to happen either. I've had people prance in here like Peter Pan with tights on and some kind of, yeah, we're gonna, you're going to get tripped and we're going to minister to you. Amen. Try to, I'm just telling you. And when I, when I, what I found is, and when there's a move of the Spirit of God, if there's not strong leadership, then people take advantage and do all kinds of craziness. You know, you know that will never happen here for long. We need the cloud. Come on, lift your hands. I'm done. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you.